right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Speak to the Beak. I am Tim the Ferds. I'm out here August 11th. It's a Wednesday, which means by the time that you hear this, it will be Thursday the 12th, which means we have some actual preseason football. Yes, I am one of those nerds that likes to watch the first half, at least, of you know preseason games. Uh, it's big for if you play in a dynasty league, get to see your rookies out there. Obviously, you know, most leagues had their rookie draft an eternity ago, but it's just cool to see, uh, you know, guys you picked up out there. So just a quick note on my thoughts on preseason. Most people don't care. I care a little bit, so I'm excited to watch any kind of football. That's for sure. Not the Hall of Fame game. That doesn't count. That's like a bunch of scrubs running around. I mean, like actual players. Um, And we're here today to continue with our divisional previews. So today we are up to the AFC West. I did the entire NFC already, uh, and obviously you can check that out on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or the website, which is going to lead me into the normal things I need to say here, which is you need to check out the website, beakbrands.com. All our written content is there. The podcast is there. We just started our 32 and 32 series a couple of weeks ago. Every day we release one team at a time, previewing the upcoming season, recapping the offseason, some fantasy nuggets, some expectations, some little over-under bets for you guys. So that's up there. Check that out. Like I said, if you need to catch up on the podcast, YouTube, like the page, subscribe to the channel, share it with your friends. It's also on Spotify and Apple, so make sure you listen up there, rate, review, and share us. All right. Follow at Beak Brands on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That would be social media, okay? And, um... That's basically it in terms of things that I actually need to tell you. So like I said, we're doing the AFC West today. I'm excited because obviously big Chiefs fan over here. Uh, you know, and I normally do like 10 to 15 minutes of prep, I guess, for each podcast just to kind of refresh what I got going on. Uh, not for the AFC West. Basically know all that by heart. So uh, here we go. We are going to start with the Las Vegas Raiders. So what happened to them last year, in case you forgot, they were actually challenging the Chiefs for first place in the AFC West. And then they did what the Raiders do, which is collapse down the stretch under John Gruden. They ended up 8-8. Eight and eight. They missed the playoffs entirely. And uh, basically it led to a very strange offseason. So let's just get into that before we go into this year's expectations, right? So players they added. Alex Leatherwood, who we're going to talk about more in a second, uh, but to fill in the offensive line. Kenyon Drake, who they didn't need, but they signed him anyway, because that's what the Raiders do. Um, He'll he'll be paired with Josh Jacobs in the backfield. Yannick Ngakwe, they really needed him. That's a good pickup for the Raiders. Um, Basically, no pass rush whatsoever. Uh, Ngakwe is terrible against the run, but it doesn't matter because their pass rush is more important and they can't get to the quarterback. Uh, and their defense is not good. So they needed him. That's a good pickup. They signed John Brown to replace or swap with Nelson Aguilar, basically. Uh, I like that. We've seen John Brown, when he's healthy, be pretty, pretty good. Um, he's not healthy often, but, I mean, we'll kind of see what happens with that. I like the move because I don't trust Nelson Aguilar. And they also brought in Solomon Thomas to kind of fortify the D-line there. All right, so I kind of like some of their additions. Some of the other ones puzzle me. Uh, Let's talk about guys they lost, and this is where Alex Leatherwood comes back into play here. So Trent Brown, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson, 
three starting offensive linemen, good ones, may I add. Um, all are in different destinations. Trent Brown, back to New England. Rodney Hudson, Arizona Cardinals. Gabe Jackson, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I didn't get this move for a couple of reasons here. So number one, if you watch the Super Bowl, obviously you know offensive line is important. Right? Even a five-year-old could figure that out. So let's just start with the basics. They lost three-fifths of your offensive line, which for those of you that are bad at math, approximately 60%. That's a big that's a big portion there. Number two, you're a run-based team. And you just lost three guys that are really, really good at run blocking. And I'm not sure you filled them with guys that are as good at run blocking. Uh, which also leads to the third point, which is you're a running base team and you signed Kenyon Drake, who one, you didn't need, and two, he's not gonna be as effective on the ground. Because you just lost some effective run blockers. Um, so obviously, if you can tell, I'm very puzzled by what's going on here. Uh, but the last point, which was four, you got rid of all of these guys and then used your first-round pick on an offensive lineman who's not as good as the guys you just had. And that that's where I get confused, right? No one told you you had to get rid of Trent Brown, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson. But you did it anyway. Um, I, I don't know. And then people were saying, you know, Leatherwood was a reach. They could have traded back, got some extra picks to help out the team and still got them. I'm not really sure what's going on over there in Las Vegas, which is going to lead me to my storyline here. Is this the year that Gruden or Mayock actually faces some real criticism and one of them loses their job? I don't think it's going to be John Gruden because of the money they're paying him. Uh, and obviously the owner over there, Mr. Davis, is not the richest guy in the world, uh, but Mike Mayock, you know, this is a couple of years in a row where we've made some picks and everyone's like, okay, buddy, what what are you doing, right? We, we picked Cleveland Farrell in like the top five. That was terrible. Uh, we picked Josh Jacobs, who we don't use, so that, that was bad. Um, and then we reached for Alex Leatherwood, so that wasn't great. Um They've just whiffed on some big picks, you know? I mean, they took Lynn Bowden. He didn't even make it out of training camp. They traded him to the Dolphins. And he was actually productive for them in, like, the second half of the year. So I don't really know what's going on with that. You know, they just they just do some really weird things. And I think this might be the year, if it doesn't go according to the plan, which, uh, hint, hint, it's not going to. Um, Mayock might lose his job. I feel like he could. They have hit on some picks, but like I said, I mean, there's just way too much overthinking going in the first round here. Uh, and, you know, their excuse was like, oh, we like high-character guys, but then you have Richie Incognito on your team. So not really sure what's going on there. But just want to throw that out there, something to look at, you know, look out for. If things get off to a bumpy start, we might hear the Mike Mayock might be gone after this, and then John Gruden might not be that far behind them. Um, but let's talk about some games on their schedule. So my game of the year for the Las Vegas Raiders is actually the Miami Dolphins in Week 3. And you're probably saying, well, it's pretty early to have a game in the game of the year. Uh, and the reason I bring this game up in particular is because after the Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson news, I kind of had to readjust some of my game picks. Uh, I'll, I'll update them once every three weeks or so. Just little things here and there, nothing major. The back end of the AFC for the wild card is like super, super tight. And based off what I have, 
it's going to come down to a tiebreaker, which means that if the Raiders want to get in, this is a tiebreaker that you would need to have. Because I don't think Miami is going to win the division. Not that I want to spoil the AFC East here. Um, but they're a good team, and I think the Raiders could be a good team, so which means you need this game. So the reason why it's the game of the year, you get to see if your revamped offensive line kind of has it together by the time, you know, week three rolls around. Um, and then obviously the rest of the Dolphins defense is really good. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. And like I said, big tie break. I just, for both teams, but really for the Raiders. Because if you look at the beginning of their schedule, they start off with Baltimore. That's probably a loss. At Pittsburgh, I don't trust the Raiders. That's probably a loss because Big Ben will still be fresh beginning of the year. Miami, okay. And then you got the at the Chargers. And I like the Chargers this year, who we're going to get into in a second. And I don't think you could start on with four. I mean, I don't think you can start one and three. So, like, that's basically a must-win game. And I hate to say that on August 11th, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so let's kind of keep going here with the Raiders. Let's move off their schedule. A fantasy player I really like on their team, right? And that guy is going to be Kenyon Drake. He's currently going as running back 39 in PPR leagues, which is about player 109 overall. And you probably just saying, well, Tim, didn't you just tell me how you don't like what the Raiders did with their offensive line? I don't at all, actually. I hate it. Uh, but the reason I like Kenyon Drake is because you can get him much later than Josh Jacobs. It's a full-blown committee. Kenyon Drake is going to be the pass-catching guy in said committee because, like I said, the Raiders don't know how to use Josh Jacobs, which means you're going to get the better half of this because the Raiders' defense sucks. So sign me up all day, every day, for Kenyon Drake at his current draft point. Now, there are some weeks it's not going to be pretty, all right? because there are going to be weeks where the Raiders grind out the other team on the ground. But, I mean, you're talking, let's say, pick 110. You're in a 10-12 to 12 team league. You're looking at, like, 10th or, you know, anywhere from the 9th to 11th round. You have all your starters picked already. He might be the second or third guy on your bench. He's got incredible upside. Love me some Kenyon Drake going as RB39. Um, and my expectations for the Raiders are my expectations I have for them every year. You know, they'll win some games they shouldn't win. They'll lose some games they shouldn't lose. And then they'll be mediocre. So I currently have them going 7-10. and 10, uh, And I try to be optimistic, I guess we could say, with some of these picks. Now, they do have the potential to, you know, win 8 or 9 games. Do I trust that? Absolutely not. Um... Like, I think for them, getting Cincinnati Week 11 is not ideal because by then you would think Joe Burrow would probably, you know, feel more confident in his knee at that point in time. I really don't love that matchup for the Raiders because, like I said, they're a slow defense. Obviously, the Bengals are a good team. Uh, let's pull up what they have the Raiders over under at. Let's see what they have. Uh, they have the Raiders... Oh, they have low. Seven wins. Okay, and that's where I have them exactly. Uh, and I should know that because I wrote the 32 and 32 on this team. And basically, I don't want to touch it. I remember. That's what I wrote during the uh, the 32 and 32. I'm not going to bet that number. That's exactly what I have them at. Vegas tries to tempt you to take the over. And like I just said, I almost talked myself into an extra win or two there against the Giants or the Bengals. And I don't trust myself, which means we're not going to bet that. Sorry, Lou and his friends. All right, here we go. Next team. 
Denver Broncos. So what happened last year? They were bad. They were real bad. 5-11. and 11. Drew Locke imploded. Corlin Sutton got hurt. Von Miller got hurt. I think at one point it said they had like $40 million in cap space on injured reserve worth of players. It was not a good time. Um, I actually thought the Broncos were going to be half decent last year. I fell for that trap. Didn't like it. Um, but they did a lot of things this offseason, so let's talk about that. They added Kyle Fuller. He followed Vic Fangio to Denver. Love that move for them because their secondary, which we're going to talk about in a second, is like literally insane. Um, Mike Boone, nice rotational back. Obviously, Von Miller's not an addition, but he's back, so I'm going to count it anyway because he's like a top-five pass rusher in the league. They signed Ronald Darby, big pickup, and some people made fun of him for that because he gets roasted sometimes. Like, this dude's going to be like your third corner, so you're in great shape. Uh, Shelby Harris, they drafted Patrick Sertain, huge move, and I heard he's been killing it in camp. Really unfortunate that they took took him as a Chiefs fan. Uh, they had a Javante Williams running back to go along with Melvin Gordon. Uh, they lost a couple of guys, A.J. Boye, who's washed, you know, Philip Lindsay, who went to Houston for whatever reason. Uh, so let's just talk about the guys they added. Um, mainly on defense, actually, and their defense was pretty good. This defense is scary. All right, so let's look at the Broncos' defense, right? In the secondary alone, you got Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan, Justin Simmons, who is the best safety in the league, Kareem Jackson, Kyle Fuller, and Pat Sertain. Scary, okay? But there's more. Up front, you got Von Miller, Josie Jewell, Bradley Chubb. Scary. And then on the line, you got Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris as, like, main guys going out there for Denver. Their defense, I want to reiterate this, their defense is very, very good. And with Vic Fangio being, you know, the coordinator, I guess, so to speak, of that defense, even though he's the head coach, they are going to be incredibly good. And if there was ever a team that could get in just off defense, I think it's this version of the Denver Broncos. Because if they, they're going to play a lot of nickel and dime because they have the DBs to do it, and they have the stout guys up front to stop you from running the ball and daring you to pass. And there, you know, there's not a lot of teams that can just man up with any other team, and I think the Broncos are going to be able to do that. Um and believe it or not, that's actually not my storyline for the team. I know I just talked about their defense for a couple of minutes there, and I am scared of their defense as a fan of the Chiefs. I'm not scared that, you know, they could beat us because any team could beat you in division. Um, but, you know, it's just like, wow, you know, they're just not scrubs. They're, they're not scrubs. Uh, my storyline for them is Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. Who you going with? If it was me, it's going to be Drew Locke. I'll tell you why. So he's younger. He's got more upside. And you need to know if this guy is the answer, right? Last year, you threw him out there. Basically, everybody was injured. He didn't have a chance to win a ton of games. The offensive line did play better, but it just wasn't a great scenario because you expected your defense to be good, and then your entire defense ended up on injured reserve, which you kind of, and then you just kind of threw him out there, and his number one option was out. So you're relying on Jerry Judy, who's a rookie. So I like Drew Locke's upside and what he has to offer. Teddy Bridgewater, we know what he is. He's just solid, he, you know, he, or mediocre, whatever term you want to use, you know, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic. Teddy Bridgewater might get you to the playoffs with this defense, but he's not going to take you any further than that. If I'm the Broncos, I need to know if Drew Locke is our starting quarterback of the future, which means we're going to roll with this man 
for 16, oh, that's going to be weird, for 17 games to see what happens. I hope it's Drew Locke as a fan of the league because uh, I would like to see Denver be a little bit more competitive, not when they play the Chiefs, of course, but, you know, against other teams. Um, and that's going to lead me to some things on their schedule. So what's the game of the year? I'm going to go with Washington Week 8 because there's two teams built the exact same way. Their defenses are both incredible. Their offenses have one or two weapons that scare you, right? Terry McLaurin, Corlin Sutton, Noah Fant, Logan Thomas. Washington also has Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson. You know, Javante Williams is back there for the Broncos, so they have skill position players. Um, quarterback is a shaky thing week to week with Ryan Fitzpatrick and or Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. So I think that game is going to be a struggle. The reason I would like to see this game is because I want to see who has the better defense. I really like Washington's defense. I really like Denver's defense, like a lot. Um, and I want to see who looks better playing basically a clone of themselves in a game. Um, obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick has a lot more experience than Drew Locke. Slash, well, maybe not Teddy Bridgewater, but he, I mean, he has more experience. But you know what I mean. He's got a lot more experience than Drew Locke. Uh, so I just want to see in that game who wins like the power struggle, right? Or that game might be decided by special teams, and that's always exciting. Um, player on the Broncos that I like fantasy-wise at his current ADP, Jerry Judy, wide receiver 35. Uh, like I said, he has a ton of upside, and at this point in the draft, around player 90 overall, I'm going to take a shot on him to hit a home run every single time. He doesn't have to face all the double coverage because Cortland Sutton will be back. Which, and he should have inferior guys on him, and he did get open a ton last year. A lot of uncatchable balls, so that's, you know, a negative thing. They don't throw a ton, also a negative thing. Uh, but he gets open, which means he's going to see the ball get thrown to him. And I've seen stats on Twitter where, you know, him and Keenan Allen are like two of the top guys in creating yards of separation per route run. So, I mean, the dude knows how to get open. He's just got to catch the ball, which is easier said than done. Um, and obviously he needs his quarterback to help him with that. But I think where he's going in the draft, he has a ton of upside compared to some of those other players, and I would definitely take a shot on Jerry Judy. What are my expectations for the Broncos? I think they are drastically improved. Like I said, their defense is very scary, uh, but Drew Locke is also very scary in his own way. Sometimes he intimidates the other team. Sometimes he is scary towards his own team which is why I have the Broncos going 8-9 and nine and missing out on the playoffs yet again. Like I said, I do think their defense is elite, um, but their offense is going to struggle in games, I think, sometimes. Uh, but they do have the opportunity to get off to a pretty good start. They open with Giants, Jacksonville, and the Jets, which, I mean, in theory, you should go 3-0 and there if you're a Broncos fan. Probably lose to Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Raiders, coin flip game, Cleveland, that'll be tough, and then Washington. So if you're like 4-4 four and four after Week 8, you're in pretty good shape because uh, after you get Dallas and Philly, two winnable games, get the Chargers and the Chiefs, two tough games, and then you get the Lions and the Bengals. So I think it might be an up-and-down year for Denver, but I think they'll be able to see who their starting quarterback of the future is going to be just based off the early part of the season, right? If Drew Locke is struggling against the Jets, Giants, and Jacksonville Jaguars, you are in big trouble. Uh, if Drew Locke is killing those teams, you're like, all right, maybe he's taking that next step finally. Um, 
So that's kind of my expectations for the Broncos this year. We got two teams left, Chargers and the Chiefs. Let's go with the Chargers first. Last year, they went 7-9, and nine, uh, but Justin Herbert went, like, absolutely insane. Uh, he was good running the ball, throwing the ball, deep passes. He was reading the field, it looked like. like he was just killing it. Uh, however, Anthony Lynn still lost his job. Um, so we're going to talk about their offseason. What did they do? We'll start with their losses because I don't feel like they're super significant for the most part. Hunter Henry, one of the most overrated players in the entire league, is out of town. He plays for the Patriots now. He'll be irrelevant there. Uh, Denzel Perriman and Nick Vigil. Okay, I like those guys. Um, and Melvin Ingram signed with the Steelers. So they did lose some pieces on their defense, um, but they brought in, in addition, Brandon Staley, their new head coach, who is just the, the defensive coordinator for the L.A. Rams. And he worked wonders with their defense. Uh, and I think he's going to do the same thing with the Chargers. And as a Chiefs fan, I hate that every other team in our division is not completely incompetent. Um, because I think Brandon Staley did a really good job with the defense, and he's going to do a good job with the defense there. How unfortunate. But it doesn't stop there for the Chargers. They brought in a couple of guys to help Justin Herbert stay upright back there. They got Corey Lindsley from the Packers. That was a huge signing for them. They needed a center. He's a veteran center. He's really good. He knows what he's doing. He just played with Aaron Rodgers for an eternity. That was a good pickup for them. They picked up Rashawn Slater in the draft. He fell to them how? I don't know. Um, but another good player. They picked up Matt Filer, free agency. So unlike the Raiders, who are deteriorating their offensive line, the Chargers are adding to it because they see the value in that. Uh, they got Jared Cook to replace Hunter Henry. Um, he's... Not the same guy that he used to be, but basically he's the same thing Hunter Henry is, in my opinion. Um, and they picked up Asante Samuel Jr., which really pisses me off because I wanted the Chiefs to take him if the opportunity was there. Now, obviously, they traded their first-round pick, so they weren't going to get him. But now it's unfortunate that someone in our division ended up with Asante Samuel Jr. because I think he's going to be really good. Um, so that's kind of that. My storyline for this year, it's all about Justin Herbert, baby. Is he going to repeat what he did last year? As a Chiefs fan, I hope he does not. Um, but I think he's the real deal, like in all seriousness, you know, trying to keep the fandom on the side there. I think he's really, really good. The Chargers have a ton of weapons, right? I mean, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler will be back. They drafted another running back, Larry Roundtree. They still have Jackson and Josh Kelly and... They picked up Jared Cook in free agency, and they have Mike Williams for the you know the five games a year he's actually healthy and on the field. They got Jalen Guyton, who was really weird last year. This guy was just catching like one ball game for 70 yards and a touchdown. Like They have dudes, um, and obviously they have a really good offensive line now, or they should be good in theory. Um, but my secondary storyline for this team uh, is more about me. And is this going to be the year that I am finally right about the Los Angeles Chargers. Every single season, I fall for this trap. I do it every time. I look at their paper, uh, their team on paper, and I'm just like, I don't understand how you aren't going to be good. You know, like in years past, you had Melvin Ingram, you had Joey Bosa, you had Derwin James, you had Casey Hayward, you had Perriman. Like, you had dudes everywhere. Offense, basically the same thing. And they just weren't good. And then last year I looked at their team and I said, wow, same team, but with Justin Herbert, they should be really good. And then they weren't really good. And this year I'm going to make the same mistake or not that I've been making every year for the past four or five years. 
and I think the Chargers are going to be good. And I hope, just for the sake of me being right, that they actually have a winning record. Because how could you not? And, you know, if you're a Charger fan, I don't know how you'd do it. It must be agonizing. It's just tough. It's just tough. Uh, what's their game of the year? This was an easy pick for me. Week 15, Kansas City Chiefs, measuring stick game. I think, if all goes according to plan in my head, the Chargers and Chiefs will be battling it out for the end of, you know, to the end of the year for the division. That's going to be a big game for the Chargers because basically every time the Chargers need to play the Chiefs in a game that matters, they lose. And I think if the Chargers want to feel confident in their playoff chances or if they get to the playoffs, how they feel going into that game, it's going to be, did we beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 15 when it mattered? Or did the Chiefs come out and like run us off the field? Because obviously the Chiefs are the top AF team in the AFC, or one of them. I mean, to me, they're the top team. But okay, if you want to say Buffalo or Baltimore or whatever, I'll just say, all right, you know, you're delusional. It's fine. Um, but obviously the Chiefs are a really good team. So I'm thinking the Chargers need to win that one or at least be like super, super competitive and lose a heartbreaker for them to feel good about the playoffs. Um, a fantasy player I like on their team, Jared Cook. He's currently going as tight end 19. Hunter Henry vacated a handful of targets. He was a good red zone target for them. I don't think he's going to get all of those targets, but like tight end is a complete wasteland, uh, and I like what Jared Cook brings to the table. What are my expectations for the Chargers? If you've been listening to anything I've been saying for the past eight or nine minutes, um, I think they're going to be good, but I've thought that for three years in a row, so I mean, it could be wrong. I think they make the playoffs, and please, for the love of Christ, so I could just be right. Can you just make the playoffs, please? Um, I have them going 11-6, and six, which one, feels weird to say, still not used to it, and two, I think it's actually very doable. Uh, now, I could see them winning 10 games. I could see them winning 12 games. You know, they're on or about in that spot. Vegas currently has them at the Chargers 9.5. This might just me being a sucker. Like, I'm pounding the over on that. Like, when I look at their schedule, right off the bat, Vegas, Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati, the Giants, Houston, and Denver at least one time. That's six wins right there. You got to think they'll probably split with the Raiders. That's seven wins. And then you just have to come up with two wins somewhere else out of any other game on the schedule. I think that's a shoe-in. Um, but, you know, once again, I've been wrong on the Chargers before, so I'm going to stress some caution there. Uh, I currently have the Chargers getting in as the number five seed in the AFC, which would mean they play one, two, they would be playing, according to my thing, the Tennessee Titans in the first round. Um, and I think that would be one hell of a matchup because you just got skill dudes everywhere, right? I know I listed the guys for the Chargers already, but the Titans, you got Julio, you got A.J. Brown, you got Derrick Henry, like, oh, I love offense. I love it, especially when, you know, I don't have a rooting interest in the game. So that's what I currently have my expectations for the Chargers at. Um, let's get to my team. The defending AFC champs, which means nothing, Kansas City Chiefs. So what happened last year? I don't need to sum any of it up. They lost in the Super Bowl. It was ugly. I had a terrible time. I hated my existence on this earth for about three hours. Uh, you know, it just wasn't good. You know, on the first or second play of the game, when you're letting Shaq Barrett run in unblocked because you're blocking your own team, it's going to be a long day. 
And boy, was it a long day. I'm glad that we're past that. And you know, the Chiefs realize, wow, even Pat Mahomes can't overcome whatever the hell offensive line that was. Uh, so they literally went out and got a new one. Like, basically all the way, like, top to bottom. So they said, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, sorry, you're out of here. Now, not because they're bad, uh, injury problems, and every Chiefs fan basically loves Mitchell Schwartz, and we've grown to love Eric Fisher. Um, Fisher is with the Colts. Schwartz probably is never going to play again. Uh, a little back injury, not good. They picked up Joe Tooney from the Patriots at guard. Huge pickup. Needed him. Did they overpay him? Probably. But after the Super Bowl, you got to do what you got to do. The Ravens said, hey, we'll give you Orlando Brown for like whatever that was. Pick 31 or something. Ridiculous. Send him over here all day. Uh, and the Chiefs somehow got a second round pick back in that trade. Don't ask me how. Um, Brett Veach is entering that territory of general manager where if he calls you to make a trade, you should probably hang up the phone because you're about to get fleeced. Uh, Tardif is back from curing COVID or whatever he was doing last year in Canada. Nice. Kyle Long came out of retirement to play for the Chiefs. They signed Austin Blythe, who was the Rams starting center last year. They drafted Creed Humphrey, starting center from Oklahoma. This is all in one offseason. They just said, okay, get rid of this offensive line. Here you go, Patrick. Um, and I think, obviously, all of them are good pickups. Do they overpay for Tooney a little bit? Yeah, but, you know, like I said, it is what it is because he's good. It's not that he's not good. It's just, you know, overpaid a little bit. But, you know, it's fine because we needed him bad. Uh, other guys they brought in, Blake Bell is back. Thank God because Nick Kaiser is terrible. Get him away from the team. Uh, Jaron Reed on the defensive side of the ball, very nice. And Jarek McKinnon, basically a swap with Damian Williams. Uh, some other guys they lost. Tano Passigno, a.k.a. K-Pass, ended up with the Saints. Breland is a Minnesota Viking. And Sammy Watkins is now on the Ravens. So they made a bunch of moves this offseason, but the core is basically still in place. You still got Chris Jones. You still got Frank Clark, who can't keep himself out of trouble, but the Chiefs don't care. Um, you still got Honey Badger. You got LeJarius Sneed, underrated player. Traverius Ward, underrated player. Um, you got, obviously, Kelsey Hill, Mahomes, CEH. Uh, so you got dudes. You got dudes. Uh, what's the storyline for the Chiefs? Are we going to three straight Super Bowls? Now, there's a lot of Patrick Mahomes goat talk. That'll probably never happen because he got shafted against Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game two years ago. And obviously the Super Bowl massacre. So not a good look. Probably not going to catch him there. He'd have to literally win like nine Super Bowls. So then that's unrealistic. So that's out. Um, but if he just keeps getting to him, we might have a LeBron-Michael Jordan thing where Tom Brady is Michael Jordan. And it's like, yeah, you know, he has more rings. Uh, but like with LeBron and when I watch Pat Mahomes, but I know when I watch TV that this guy is better. You know? Um Obviously, you can't tell I'm a, I'm a LeBron guy. Not that Michael Jordan's bad, but LeBron's better. Uh, same thing with Pat Mahomes. I mean, if you watch the Super Bowl, and if you switch the quarterbacks on their teams, Tom Brady would have been in a body bag by the end of the first quarter. Um, and obviously, Mahomes is hitting people in the face, ma face mask, like with no feet on the ground throwing the ball, and we can't catch it. So, are we getting three straight Super Bowls? And I think this is big for Mahomes, personally, and the Chiefs, obviously, because the window to win is wide open. I think at this point, Mahomes has come out of the gate so fast. Anything other than getting to the Super Bowl was basically a failure. Um, and I'm not just speaking as a Chiefs fan. Like, the way that you hear the Chiefs players talk about it, 
they know they should be there, they expect to be there, and in their minds, they are going to be there. So, are we going to get to three straight Super Bowls? I think the AFC is top-heavy, um, so there are a few teams that could beat them, uh, but that's a big storyline for the Chiefs and Mahomes the rest of his career. Uh, a game I'm looking forward to on their schedule, Green Bay Week 9, baby. The past two MVPs, well, actually, no, Lamar Jackson. All right, well, whatever, you know what I mean. Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, who both have MVPs, sign me up for that. Uh, it's unfortunate that the Packers are probably just going to run the ball 500 times in that game because I'd love to see Rodgers and Mahomes just absolutely go at it. I don't think the Packers' defense can stop the Chiefs. They have no pass rush, and they have no corners other than Jair Alexander. Um, and if you're a man team, which the Packers have traditionally been, Jair Alexander is not going to cover Tyree Kill one-on-one, so that's going to be a problem for them. But I want to see Rodgers and Mahomes go at it. Uh, a fantasy player that I like on the Chiefs. Now, obviously, if you want a Chiefs player that is good, like Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyree Kill, even McCole Hardman, they're all going pretty high. Especially Hill, Kelsey, and Mahomes. They're going incredibly high. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They're basically all first or second round picks. Um, so I decided to go super, super, super deep here. I mean, really deep. Um, Byron Pringle. Fan favorite. Shout out to my brother, who just loves him because of his name. Uh, not even a Chiefs fan, but it is what it is. He's going as wide receiver 115 or player 279. Translation, he is free. You can literally get him with the last pick in your draft and not have to sweat about it. Um, in a 10-team league, there's no way I'm drafting this guy, but in a 14-man league or like with more teams than that, 16, 18, he is 100% worth a shot as the last dude on your bench, and I'll tell you why. Demarcus Robinson, if you're not a Chiefs fan, sucks. All right, just to fill you in there, the dude is terrible. Um, Sammy Watkins now plays for the Ravens, which means we have a couple of choices. And the Chiefs learn in the Super Bowl, you're going to need a receiver that can do something outside of Tyreek Hill because Tampa just said we're going to put 30 guys on this guy. All right, and same thing with Kelsey. So what are you going to do? Pringle has shown an ability to do something in a game. <laughs> Um, pretty consistently. He's a, like I said, fan favorite. He plays special teams, so he's going to be on the roster. He's going to be active on game days. And if you're looking for like a super, 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 super deep sleeper that could do what Sammy Watkins was doing, which is like, you know, 700-ish yards and a few touchdowns, Pringle might be your guy. And you're probably saying, you know, that's not really great, but he's going as wide receiver 115. All right, so he's easily going to outperform that if he just gets on the field. And that's why I like him as my fantasy player at his current ADP. That's just why I like him. Um, expectations for the Chiefs. I'll keep this short and sweet. We'll see you in the Super Bowl. Um, hopefully against Tampa. Now, could Buffalo beat the Chiefs? Yes, but do I think they're going to? No, uh, because they don't have a pass rush to beat the Chiefs like that. And I think the Chiefs, even with their terrible offensive line, can run the ball against them anytime they want. Can the Ravens technically beat the Chiefs? Yes. Are they going to? No, because Lamar Jackson can't throw in the playoffs. And like I said, they're a man team, and every time the Chiefs play them, Tyreek Hill goes nuts. Um, they just don't have anyone who could guard him because you can't really guard that guy one-on-one. -on -one. The way the Ravens plays, they blitz a lot, and they play man behind it. Not a good strategy to play against the Chiefs right there. Just let fill you in on a secret. You know, other teams in the AFC, could Tennessee beat them? Yes. Are they going to? No. 
because their defense is dreadful. So if you want to get into a shootout with the Chiefs, you're more than welcome to. You're not going to win it. Um, a lot of people, Cleveland versus the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, I can't even see Cleveland getting that far. Um, and everyone's like, oh, well, it was close last time. Chiefs were up by two possessions until Mahomes got hurt. And even by the grace of God, Cleveland still couldn't beat them. So, I mean, I think the AFC is the Chiefs to lose. I'm not even saying that as a Chiefs fan. I've seen this before with the Patriots, where it's like when they had Tom Brady in his prime. It doesn't matter who you have because they have Tom Brady in his prime, okay? It doesn't matter who you have because the Chiefs have Pat Mahomes in his prime. And it's not flashy to pick the favorite, but you just got to be smart sometimes. I think I give Buffalo like a 40% chance to beat them. I give Baltimore like a 30% chance. I give every other team like 10% or less. Like if they're going to need everything to go right in the game for them to beat them. Um, and that's basically what we got for today. So next week when we're back, we'll be doing another AFC team. I might wait on the South and go to the North because I want to see what happens with Carson Wentz and Quinton Nelson, even though we kind of talked about it a little bit. And obviously for you Jets, Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins fans, we are getting to you soon. We are about a month away from real football. Get excited for that. And like I said, follow the page on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Like us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And check out the website, beakbrands.com. So until next time, I'm out. Mm-hmm.